Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I went and I filled out Pat Gilroy's details on it. It was that mass as well. Pat was saying for weeks and months he was getting phone call off of Mary from the Legion of Mary and Father John and uh, Sister Marguerite uh, was he around for the meeting. We looked around the change room and went, have we got a mad bunch of players here? Like, like there's Jared over there, mad into religion, but loves pranks. There's Stephen Cluxon there, who was obsessed with this sport, but absolutely doesn't like talking about it outside of the sport. There's Damon Connolly, a genius, footballing genius over there. I, I always used to sit back and just look at the madness in the change room. Hello and welcome to this week's throw-in with Dublin legend Philly McMahon. And for this week's show, we're joined by one of Philly's former teammates, a fellow defender who joined the Dublin setup just a year before Philly and who retired after eight years. Now, Joe Brennan may have let his football do the talking, but in this interview, he and Philly reveal what it was really like in the dressing room as the team began its development first under Pat Gilroy and then Jim Gavin. Joe also talks about the importance of religion and faith to him and why he was opposed to the same-sex marriage referendum but has since changed his mind. First, though, Joe revealed what the young Philly McMahon was like when he came on the scene. Well, I, I was probably delighted to see a fellow with a bigger arse than me come onto the panel tonight <laughs> <laughs> and take the pressure off. I, I, we, we were, I was a couple of seasons ahead of Philly coming in, so a couple of years older than him. But um, I, I got to know Philly. He was doing his bit of work and studies in DCU in the sports centre. So I got to know him over the years and I suppose my first impressions of meeting Philly was he was someone who was very certainly ambitious and had a plan and he was working hard to try to make the most of life situation and uh, looking to develop and improve. But yeah, when when a new guy came in, uh, Sinead, I've, I've always shook hands with fellas and said hello and whether they were defenders or, or, or forwards, uh, I think when someone is welcomed into a group, they probably feel that bit more at ease and it'll help them get the best out of themselves, which in turn drives you on because you need a bit of a competition then to push on, you know. So but yeah, so other than Philly and his big arse, we had two big arse sitting beside each other in the changing room. We still have, you know. So <laughs> So Philly, what did you make a jar? The first thing for me was like back then when I well, two thousand eight was the first um kind of intro me and Jer had in, in that in, in our careers and I suppose back then culturally there was it wasn't there wasn't many that would come up and say hello and shake your hand but Jay was one of those and certainly now and over the last couple of years that is a that's a norm now you know so Jay was well ahead of his game in terms of inclusiveness and um, I suppose uh, Jay for me was somebody over time now this was that I always said, Jesus, I'd love him to be playing for Ballymun, right? For a couple of reasons. Um, you would have never, if you were watching Jerry Brennan play, you would have never been able to say, this fella plays for Vincent, right? 
because he had, for me again, this is my opinion, the, the, the lot of Vincent's people will probably be pissed off at this, but I just <laughs> loved it. <laughs> when we were playing um, at that stage, Ballymun and Vincent's had a really good rivalry and um, Jerry had what Ballymun had in the abundance, which was this toughness, skillful uh, type player, but mad energy. And what I, what I mean by mad energy is not, only the lads probably in the setup would know Jerry's energy. Jer uh, one day would have a, a conversation, really interesting conversation about maybe something in society, religion, or whatever it may be. And then next of all, he'd be sending a young lad up to up to Pat Gilroy on the on the bus um, at the at the start of the bus at the at, at the intro of the bus and basically say, "Yeah, Pat wants you up there." The young lad would go up and. Uh, Pat be like I'd, I didn't coffee and everybody in the back of the bus would be breaking their shite laughing at so that was Jerry's antics but that was only the ones that we can speak about so um, for me Jerry's leadership skills um, were well behead, well well uh, in advance of uh, the culture that was there at that, at that time and um, yeah there's loads more I could speak about but um, there, that was the initial kind of you know, intro to Jay Brennan and and what I could rub off on him in terms of his leadership skills. Right, you reply thanks, there, Jer. Thanks, thanks, Phil. You know, geez, I, I, I'll give him that fifty euro later on. And, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, no, it was because um, I, I, I do remember coming in. Uh, Pillar Caffrey was the uh, was the, was the manager. Uh, True Blue, and it was quite a competitive group, but but it was. Uh, uh, while we are sports people and even within team sports we're, we're, we're incredibly uh, selfish and, and indiv- individualistic in some ways in order to achieve within a team environment there has to be that inclusiveness there that sense of camaraderie well everybody doesn't have to be best buddies off the field but as soon as you walk into the dressing room Sinead or go onto the field uh you have to have that bit of love, a bit of faith in, in the guy you're playing with, the guy who's knocking the head off you in training, that when it comes to playing proper uh, opposition, that he'll, he'll be there for you. Um, and that probably wasn't there as much um, in, in my earlier years uh, for a whole sort, uh, load of different reasons. But uh, I suppose with the introduction of Philly and myself and a few other lads, um, you know, things began to change slowly but surely, I guess, along with obviously the management as well. And in fairness to, to, to Peter Caffrey, and again, I, I'm always conscious of uh, he gave three or four years as selector with Tommy Lyons, he and uh, looking after the 21s, and also four years as manager. Like he, he gave his life and his heart and soul to the setup, and he got us very close on uh, a number of occasions, but uh, unfortunately, just, just, just wasn't enough to go over the line. And obviously, Pat was able to take the good from what Pillar had built and introduce new players, new culture, new behaviours and the rest is history really, you know. You initially retired in 2008, Ger. Why did you do that and why did you come back? Yeah, well, for the sake of the team at the time, Sinead, it was, it was player born out and so I was happy to keep quiet. But in reality, I threw my toys out of the pram that I wasn't getting selected for championship when I felt I was due uh, a run at that stage. Management felt differently and... Um, uh, again, a bit young, idealistic, but uh, I said, well, I can't hang around and give my life to this um, uh, if I'm not going to be, I guess, re- rewarded. And even the word reward, I don't, I don't even like using that term anymore because I've come full cycle and I'm managing teams now. You know, you don't always get what you deserve in sport. 
it does come down to a lot of perseverance as well as talents and just being patient and take your chance when it comes. But at that time, Sinead, yeah, I chewed the toys out of the pram. So I had an older brother getting married overseas and we, we uh, decided to go to the wedding. I was going to miss his wedding uh, as well, which he, he, he had no issue with for a sporting mad family. So, so that was uh, uh, expected. But um, yeah, and Dave Billings, the Lord rest him, he, he, he worked on me in the background to, 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 to help me see my ways, but also trying to pull me in as well to show that I was loved and I was needed and eventually I came back in, you know, so. What did you make of him coming back, Philly? I could understand where Jay's frustration was, you know. Uh, for me, I definitely had him as the one of the best centre-backs in, in the in the county, if not in the country, specifically because the way, um, where, like, I mean, I was a wing-back at that stage, so I was playing beside you. Um, and just, it was like, for me, I suppose, to give... You kind of an analogy of it. It was like um, when when I was playing fullback and I had Stephen Cluxon behind me. There's this um, invisible kind of comfort that you have. Like it's like a it's like a web that you're connected to, and you just basically feel when that high ball comes in, Stephen Cluxon behind you. When Jay was playing centre back for me, um, that's the that's the feeling I got. On I was I was on the right hand side of him playing wing back in 2008, and um, and I knew kind of that traditionally the way he kind of set up that he was going to be, he would be brilliant for the game today because a lot of the a lot of the teams play kind of a, a sweeper or a plus one from the centre-back position. But I think a lot of the teams miss out on a traditional solid centre-back when there's an O'Sullivan running through and you get a smack and he goes down and basically changes the whole dynamics of a game, which he did, which Jerry did. He'll say that he'd done that accidentally, which I, I believe <laughs> But um, they're, the, they're, the, they're the things that I think the, the, the game now was kind of missing a year of. But, but for me, for him to come back then, it was certainly something we needed. And do you know what I loved about Jerry as well? Um, I was a running kind of, I transitioned from a running player because I was playing wing back to more so um, a kicking player, like, you know, player to kick about. Jerry had both of those. Jerry was. Had this, and I remember studying Jerry's kick. He doesn't know this. I remember studying Jerry's kick. Jerry has this uh, kick where he, he um, his head goes down after the follow through the ball, and I always, I always focused on that when I seen him do it. I don't think he knew that, but yeah, like for me, as a, you know, it, it was definitely an, an integral part having him back in, and there's no, there's no, yeah, I, for me, definitely something that we needed to get over the line in 2011. You know. There were so many big personalities in that squad, lads. How, how did you find, how was there space found for everyone? That was, that was the the beauty of, uh, I suppose, a pillar and passion, obviously, Jim. Then after that, uh, in, in mine and Philly's time, Sinead, but you, uh, what's that film, uh, Anchorman, where uh, Bon Burgundy, I, I've often used it in, in a couple of my slides, um, if you'd be doing chats or whatnot with schools or groups, but um, I'm a pretty big deal around here. Um, you know, that's the way Ron Bergen goes on. Well, we we had fellas going on like that, Sinead, and good lads, but because of the attention they were getting and the recognition, you know, they're only human and you need somebody a bit older and wiser to help guide you along that path and to be wary of the, uh, of the pitfalls that this attention you're getting is very much short-lived, but it's not sustainable. And ultimately, it comes down to uh, uh, developing deeper bonds and connections. And 
contributing to a group uh, and a vision. And if that results in victory, brilliant. But if it doesn't, well, that's success too. But once you gave it, gave it your all, and uh, I suppose it took Pat a while. You probably had to challenge a lot of players, established players who've gone on to win numerous individual accolades, and uh, and a couple of guys didn't probably take to those challenges as well, and and had to step away or move elsewhere. But again, all good fellas, but but just weren't able to to to, to, to buy into. I guess what Pat was selling and, and the importance of um, like obviously the world you work in Sinead and we all have other proper jobs at this stage um, you know there's an element of politics that exists in, in, in every organisation but within a team environment when you remove that element of politics from the playing population uh, which is tough if you can get to that point uh, you've done a fabulous job and I think that's what Pat did that while you wanted to be on the pitch um, yeah, uh, if you were dropped or if you, if you were a sub and we've all been dropped on occasion um, you know you, st- you were still looking for the team to win you were probably looking for maybe your man in your position to be under a bit of pressure so you get a run to go back in but but um, I know in previous teams I was involved with Sinead um, there'd be fellas looking for the team to nearly half lose uh, um, in order to, to to get themselves back on the team sheet you know so, so Pat was able to change that culture and I think I don't know if it, it became more of a for me, like a team, like a, like a club team atmosphere within an inter-county setup, which is very difficult to achieve. Um, and because of that club team atmosphere that we had, it was just, yeah, it was it was kind of war every time we put on the jersey and went onto the field. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Jerry. I think um, the key thing for me, um, the whole learning experience of the culture, as you said, the, 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 the kind of um, advancement of culture from... Um, Pillar Caffrey's regime, which I agree with you, done a, a huge amount for me. Uh, even even past it, like I mean, two thousand and nine, Pat dropped me, um, and Pillar Caffrey brought me onto the Leinster squad. I wasn't even playing at the county. I was the only club player playing Leinster in interprovisionals. Like even that kind of gave me that little bit of platform to get back into the, the Dublin team um, under Pat. But I just think the you spoke about it being a club environment. I just for me, you were always learning. You were always being challenged to learn. You were always kind of um like when I was playing two thousand and eight, it would have been, as you said, I would have been that naive young player of I need to play now, I wanna play now, and I'm pissed off and I want I would have great challenges with Paul Casey because he was the the, the wing back and and I just couldn't comprehend that this guy had built up a massive trust with Paul Caffrey over years, even if I was playing better than him, it doesn't necessarily mean that I was going to be the person for the job in that team. So that, And when Pat came in then for me, um, it was just a massive learning uh, environment for me. Uh, and obviously I had a chip on my shoulder, you know, so because I got dropped in 20, uh, 2009. But for me, um, I have a question for you, Jer, in terms of um, your background, if you don't mind me asking you. How did a how did a young lad from, am I right saying Hardwick Street or Dorset Street Flats? Well, just Dorset Street Houses, Philly, just up from the flats. Yeah. So you're a bit posher than me in terms of the Ballymun Flats. <laughs> so how did how did a, a young lad from Hardwick Street or Dorset Street uh, Houses end up in Belvedere College, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And St. Vincent's. So I was growing up in, 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 in kind of north inner city, 
just just literally actually our road is slightly just after our estuary still in place but it it um again the fifth to nine kids um my mother is from Parnell Street my dad is from Rings End so uh very much um accustomed to the uh the ways and and, and the wish uh of the inner city but also the the pitfalls that would have been there and I suppose for us really and Sinead, uh both our parents they 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 while while they gave us the freedom in, in some ways to to express ourselves and to <clears throat> fall into passions um we were we we, we were always introduced to, to to music to sport to church to youth groups and they encourage us to stay involved to, uh, um, to make connections and they obviously seen the bigger picture of, of what was going on I guess at night time uh, in the area um, so I would be probably fairly grateful Philly, to, to, to obviously my parents and, and uh, a lot of our neighbours like, like there's one of our neighbours Sinead um, I was underage drinking when I was about 16 uh, 17 and, and and she caught me and my buddy I don't want to mention any names but uh, I gave her a bit of lip you know a bit of cheek um, I said she's going to tell me that and so <laughs> she gave me a clip on the ear you know so I, I the next day uh, remember telling my mother about it and uh, that uh, Mrs. So-and-so around the corner gave me a clip on the ear and straight away my mother grabbed a hold of me and said well what did you say to her she must have done it for a good reason and that was the kind of neighborhood and the communities that we had. It was very tight knit, despite some of the uh, crazy stuff that was going on and, and through involvement in sports, through uh, church and school. Uh, we always had something to go to in the evenings uh, more often than not. But we definitely did have our challenges on occasions, you know. But uh, how we ended up in Belvedere, uh, really, is there's a brother, Eamon Davis, who uh, very active in the area. He's a Jesuit brother who was part of the Belvedere youth group. And they taught, so they gave swimming lessons to the uh, local community. So we went over to the swimming pool in Belvedere College from a very young age. And then another brother, um, brother Tom Phelan, a Jesuit in St. Francis Saviour Church, just on Garden Street. He taught us music in the evenings and he had a youth group set up within the church. So um, in, indirectly, my, my early experiences of the church were through swimming, through music, uh, through outdoor pursuits, activities being brought down the country. We were brought over to Alton Towers, I remember one year as kids. Like, we didn't necessarily go on. Uh, we never went on overseas holidays bar once, I think, uh, that I can remember. So we, 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 we were being kept busy and, 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 and kept engaged uh, through men of faith and women of faith uh, as well. And also the parents who, who did great work and continue to do great work in the area, both Brother Tom and... and uh, Brother Raymond Davis, and uh, through those connections, Jesu- uh, Belvedere College is a Jesuit school. The, my parents, through chatting to the uh, lads, would have said that Belvedere could be a good place for a chair to go in. And uh, I, I got in on the Social Diversity Scholarship, would have had to uh, apply for that and do a couple of tests and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I never looked back, you know. So The fallout inside Pam between Mick McCarthy and Roy Keane divided the nation. Captain Roy Keane was threatening to abandon the side at the very moment he was needed most. My, my thought when it was going off, they, they, they are absolutely going to come to blows here. It's been a troublesome 24 hours in paradise for Roy Keane. Some personal problems which are personal to him and uh, he has to go home. And I went from a meal at half six on a Thursday and I was told it was a meeting at half past seven. And I knew what it was all about. 
I knew. Roy was sat beside me and Roy said it's going to go off tonight. That's what he said to me. In the middle of it, Mick came in and he had a notebook in his hand and he just said, Roy, there's an article in them. Mick didn't really say an awful lot. Returning from training today, he refused to comment on his decision to quit the World Cup the night before. And boom, that was it. Roy went. 20 years on, the Indo-Daily revisits the story. Coming soon, Shadows of Saipan. How did faith and religion shape you, Jer? As a kid, was it always there? Definitely, Sinead. As a kid, it was 100% always there and, and still is, uh, thank God. And it, I feel very lucky to have that faith and to have that sense of something greater going on in the world. And at the same time, I'm very much aware uh, through previous faults and, and, and current temptations that the existence of, of, of evil in the world uh, that is there and the propensity that uh, human beings have to, to, to do uh, wonderfully kind and creative things. Uh, on the flip side, if we allow that dark cloud overcome us, uh, all sorts of awful tragedies can happen. And again, we can see them occur uh, in our communities and, and, and further fields without having to get into them. So I feel very drawn and have always felt very uh, lucky, Sinead, that I, I, I find it very, very easy to connect and if to help some of our listeners or viewers maybe understand it to make it tangible. It's like tuning in your favourite favorite, uh, uh, radio station in the car. Once you tune in, you find a song you like, to something that resonates between you and the song or you and the presenter, and there's a connection there. And you come away feeling sustained, feeling uplifted. So I, I've always been able and I was taught and given a message through, through, through church and, and, and um, school and home life and, and, and how to connect with the divine. And that's what prayer is. So, so prayer is communication with the, the, the divine, whether it's in the presence of another human being in this conversation here, Sinead, uh, in, in, in your own individual private prayer and helping others that uh, in playing your sport and uh, uh, making the most of your gifts and talents and a lot of kids being confirmed and making confirmations at the moment but uh, um, communions but the whole idea of the gifts from fruit to the Holy Spirit is something which also and still sticks with me and uh, which is which is which, which is crazy really but put that in, in expressing yourself making the most of uh, uh, yourself uh, in, in, in um, and again an issue I have with society at the moment we've become very uh, individualistic but in expressing yourself that brings about goodness and helps another person to uh, uh, get the best out of them in a loving, creative, challenging environment. That's something which is uh, their worthy causes. But the, what would you call it, promotion of self, um, of, of rights, that I, I have a right to do this. Um, for me, I would disagree with, with, with a lot of how society is portrayed at the moment and the challenges that a lot of our young people face through through social media and, and certain influences and whatnot that just because you have a, a right to do something um, doesn't mean it's the, the right thing to do. I think with great power, with great education comes great responsibility uh, and that responsibility has to trump rights for the greater good. But um, yeah, I, I, I see that in college. I'm working obviously in UCD now in, in the Hedicale Games there. So we've over 800 students, male and female, and a lot of lovely, wonderful people and, you know, and we haven't even talked too much about football here at all, but uh, on a behavioural, cultural uh, level, uh, you're, 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 a lot of my work is actually 
helping students to meander the challenges and the path of college life and to see the bigger picture. And while they might be quite idealistic a bit, I guess like me and Philly were in our earlier years playing football, or that um, with a bit of age and life experience comes comes that bit, bit of wisdom and to help students see the bigger picture. And more often than not, they do, you know. Jeez, that was very deep, Sinead. That was uh, a... <laughs> no, very you. interesting, George. Sinead, these are the conversations we'd have on a bus on the way Is back. <laughs> yeah. I, and you, like most lads on a bus would sit down and, you know, you have your, if you're traveling a good bit away, you'd have uh, two seats so you'd stretch the legs out. Jerry must have thought I was a bit bonkers because I'd go up, or maybe taking the piss out, and I'd go up, especially on the trips on the way back to Dublin. And I'd sit down with him and I'd say, Jerry, tell me about religion. T- tell me about like, what you're, you know, like I remember one conversation and uh, I spoke to him about he. I don't know if you remember that, Jerry. It was like, tell me about hate. And Jerry was just saying, I don't have hate in my body. I don't have it. It's too strong of a word. Wow. I don't have it. And I was kind of like, I like when I play football, I don't know where this anger comes from. I have this hatred that I want to get out and I want to like just be aggressive all the time and stuff like that. But we had we had a really good conversation about uh, about religion, which is which I'm sure if you were flying on the window sitting on the ground, kind of gone, this lad from Ballymore, this fellow from um Darzetri House, this is this is a mad conversation, you know. Um so Jer, for the one thing that I think uh, I would love our listeners to to uh, to hear is um, what's the biggest um, you 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 love the prank, right? You loved you loved getting up the little mischief. So Jer was mm-hmm. the the big the big thing with Jer's uh, comedy was he done this stuff when nobody else would dare to do. You know, it's when it's a serious moment on, he throws in a little dry gag or whatever it is. Um, and that's why I think it was so good. It was the timing of it. So what was the, what was the, the what did you get the biggest reaction out of? What, what one did you do that was the biggest reaction to? I, I suppose I, I, um, I did nail a fella's runners to the, to the bench in St. Vincent's once. <laughs> and uh, uh, by way of payback, because he, he put deep heat in me jocks. Uh, my boxers <laughs> for after the shower the shower today, so which was a good gag so I appreciate that so um, I, I, I let it go for um, a good few weeks because I knew he was on his guard and he didn't know who uh, he didn't know that I knew and again we don't want to be telling names here but I was uh, at a bit of a knock one day at training so uh, I made sure that this person seen me at the start of the warm up um, I was just giving a few little hand passes and then I, 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 I walked off and said, I'm going to shoot off here because the, the leg is at me. But I made sure that he, he's, <laughs> he seen me walking out of the club and, uh, and down the road. But when the session started, he would have been sucked into the drill. So I snuck back into the change room by the hammer and nails in the car that I brought with me. and um, Premeditated. Think, yeah, premeditated. And his new, his new Air Max and, uh, right up on the tongue. I hammered him in and got under the table and hammered the nail back up as well and um, and left <laughs> and uh, and he he knows me now he always had his suspicions but I kept saying but sure you see me leave sure I wasn't there he wasn't there you know so uh, but uh, all 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 good banter you know you need it, it can get the the inter county scene can get quite intense tonight as you can imagine so you look at uh, laughter is a great gift uh, um, I think to have and, and and it's a way of easing that bit of pressure and um, you know we're, 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 we're human at the end of the day but uh, no there's a lot of uh, 
a lot of funny stuff over the years. Actually, on 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 on, on a church related one, I remember on those away trips, it was always in the itinerary. Certainly, with Pat um, up at Mass, if anyone wanted to go to Mass on the Sunday morning before the game. So between management and players, there was always 10, 12 fellas there. And um, we were we were in the church, I think in St. Mary's in Westport uh, on the Keys. And actually Michael Savage got married there a few years ago. And um, But the parish pastoral councils were just starting to, to, to take up speed, which were looking for lay uh, parishioners to get involved. And anybody interested to put their name on the, uh, uh, fill in the form at the back. So... So I went and I filled out Pat Gilroy's details on it. Uh, it was at mass as well. Pat was saying for weeks and months he was getting phone call off of Mary from the Legion of Mary and Father John and and and, and Canon whoever and uh, Sister Marguerite uh, was he around for the meeting, you know. So I think I think eventually Pat got so tired telling telling him that it was a prank. I think he just said, Do you know, sorry about that. No, I actually don't have the time to commit to it. And eventually this helped me. But did, did so what kind of role or did, did you know you mentioned going to church there? Like would what kind of role would faith and spirituality would have, have played a role amongst each other in the dressing room or what what was that like? It it it, it, it look at it, it was it was very much a, a, a personal uh, um uh, private relationship that guys had Sinead and I think from a, a faith prom- uh, 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 promotion perspective you know a faith that is proposed versus a faith that is imposed the former will stick uh, with a guy or a lady uh, far greater than the other and obviously Catholic Ireland uh, for decades and, and hundreds of years um it was a faith imposed, which 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 brought about bad relationships with with uh, with, with God and church. But uh, from my experience of it, Sinead, there was anywhere from twenty to twenty five fellas, certainly during past time, would have attended mass on those Sunday mornings before games. And why did they go? I don't know. But they went for their own reasons. Uh, you know, for 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 me, my my. my draw to, to, to church and uh, and to the Eucharist um, initially it was one out of um, uh, fear um, that if I don't go bad luck is going to happen to me because that was the experience of um, a relationship I had with God at the time that he was going to spite me or smite me for doing bad things and thankfully that relationship has, has grown and deepened and it's, a, it's uh, I feel drawn to church in, in the same way that you when we finish this call, we'll go and get our coffees and, and get just going for a bit of sustenance on a very spiritual, uh, deep level. I feel very much drawn to church and scriptures and, and the receiving Eucharist. And, and uh, now, am I a perfect master or I'm not of young kids? Uh, we bring the kids up as much as we can to St. Anne's and Port Marnock at the moment. So, so uh, but there's some nights if you're, you're just wrecked, you don't go, but you try to get in and light a candle. But it's, 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 it's more so. I guess one's moral uprightness should not be defined by their presence or frequency at church if behind the scenes they're absolute demons. So I think on, on, on a, a person to God uh, relationship is the most important thing that, that needs to be established and developed, you know. Yeah, Dur- um, during the marriage referendum, you previously wrote in the Irish Independent arguing mm. against same-sex marriage because you said, I don't want our constitution to deny that it is a good thing for a child to have a mother and a father. Is that a stance you still hold? It is so. In terms of the the marriage referendum, now that I have a young 
boy and a young daughter and my wife is pregnant with twins in, in late August, early September. So I, I won't, I'll, I'll have as little hair as Philly now next year. I'm only starting <laughs> Philly, right? But uh, the, the, uh, the um, no, I, I, I would have a different stance, Sinead, in terms of should uh, marriage be extended to same-sex couples in Irish society? I would now say yes, it 100% should. So I've moved on that. But uh, the whole area of sur- surrogacy and commercial surrogacy is something which I, I'm very, very, very fearful of. And that whether we like it or not, a young, a same-sex couple bringing up a child will do a wonderful job in the same way that a single parent will do a wonderful job. But I think, not I think, but biologically speaking, from an evolution point of view, that a young boy or young girl has an innate desire to want to know his mother in, in particular um, and, and, and also his father. And, and when that um, desire is not met, it brings about great challenges uh, uh, for young guys. And uh, again, I, 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 I really knows where I worked in, in St. Kevin's Ballygall Road, which is kind of where Ballymon, Glass, Nevin, Fingers kind of meet. We had some lovely kids in there in all boys school. So I was there for nearly five years, but we had a lot of young lads. And uh, I think, what's your book? Is it called The Choice, Philly? Yeah. 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 Um, I actually remember sitting down with one young lad who was um, um, in fifth year. His father had just gotten out of prison and he'd been locked up again two weeks later. And he was so distraught and he just couldn't understand why his father would do that to him after getting out and promising him that he was going to be there from, but obviously his father had his own challenges and demons. And I remember talking to, to this young kid and just saying, look, you, you, you have a choice to make, um, you know, this is your situation and it's crap, but you now have a choice to let it overcome you or choose to do something about it and, and, and seek help and, and guidance from others to help uh, guide you along the way. So, so that's, I guess just an example for me, Sinead, how we all have this innate desire to, to, to want to connect to uh, our parents. And uh, But the idea of sur- surrogacy is something I struggle with, rightly or wrongly, but I can't not, I, I, I cannot say that a same-sex couple, male or female, would do uh, a poor job. Absolutely not. I think they, they would do a wonderful job as well. But I, I think the preferred option for me is... Uh, 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 you know, uh, male and uh, and female wearing a child, but that's just me. Philly, um, Ger mentioned they're making choices in life. Is that something you'd identify with as well, uh, Philly? Yes, definitely. Uh, look, um, Ger just spoke about kind of his um, his opinion on a uh, kind of a societal topic that was, you know, um, that was probably very difficult at the time for him to actually come out and do because it was kind of against. I would say majority uh, of the status quo, but we, I spoke about um, being in a learning environment, um, and I'll, 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 uh, it was brilliant that at that point, am I right in saying this year? Wasn't wasn't it yourself and Rory O'Carroll had discussion? We, we had the debate. debate. Yeah, we had it down in um, whatever Trump hotel. Genius there. idea yeah. because like yeah. So so the two lads had a strong opinion um, on the topic. And I was the type of person that was like, I need to know more information. You know, I was kind of swaying towards what Rory was saying, obviously. But I'm always, I was always taught, if you don't know enough information, don't make your opinion on it until you do. 
And uh, I was sitting back at that and there was a bit of banter and it was a bit of seriousness, but it was a lot of education around the two lads' opinions. I think there was a huge respect for um, the, the, the length of um, uh, how much the lads educate themselves on their opinion, you know. So it gave us so much more. And I remember later in, in, um, in Jim Gavin's uh, reign, that we went over to the Battle of Somme, we went over to um, France and Belgium, we looked at the World War and, and uh, I had come from a family that were Republican based. And, and from that debate, I remember saying to myself, you know, that same thing of, hold on, get more information here. So those things carry with you for, for the rest of your life, you know, those things. At that time, Pat, I'm sure, was saying, this would be a bit of crack. You know, because Jared and Rory have a very similar personality, this dry comedy, like, you know, but it was just educational, massive, massive uh, learnings going forward for me in terms of life. But um, so, yeah, I, I just I just loved that that every like I, I there was times where I sat down with players in, in the change room and I looked, I looked around the change room and went, have we got a mad bunch of players here like? Like there's Jared over there, mad into religion, but loves <laughs> pranks. There's uh, Stephen Cluxon there, who was obsessed with this sport, but absolutely doesn't like talking about it outside of the sport. You know, like it, it was just a mad. There's Damon Connolly, a genius, football and genius over there. You know, um, and it was just I loved that mix. I loved sitting back and and as people always say in airports, watching people. I, I always used to sit back and just look at the madness in the change room and how that came together to bring a, a t- like to bring a, a kind of a thing called a performance on a football pitch, and uh, that was massive for me. Yeah, so I don't know if I answered that question for you, Shanahid, but that was that was the angle I was going at. Yeah, the learning environment for me, the individuals over the years. Um, if you just step back for a second and just went, what did I take from him? What did I learn from him? you'd learn a huge amount, you know. And would the managers like the likes of Jim Gavin, would they kind of harness that? Would they want you to kind of say, give your opinions, all that kind of stuff, have discussions, have debates? Yeah, he, he I suppose from a high performance point of view, Sinead, Jim now in particular, um, yeah, wanted guys to, to follow their passions and pursuits away from the field because you needed that outlet. And once it didn't, I guess, maybe impact negatively on the, on the group, which none of it ever did, I don't think. Um, well, that was fine, but 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 Jim's probably management style was 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 geared towards the high performance and improving as a player, um, while very respectful and support, uh, supportive of, of what was going on in your day to day life and and uh, uh, helping you to to plan and prepare your weeks and months to ensure that you were you know taking care of those other needs, your family, your work, your college, uh, with the view of getting the best out of yourself on the pitch. You know, so so. So that's the way probably Jim kind of managed things. Uh, Pat, uh, probably a different, different, different management style, uh, a bit more interactive uh, in some ways. But uh, yeah, but if, yeah, different styles, different, different, different coaches, different ways of doing things. But like Philly mentioned, you're 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 picking up new things from different managers, picking up new things from different players coming into the group and uh, looking to uh, learn and improve the whole time. So lads, uh, three words to sum up each other, Philly. I'll let you go first, Jerry. Go on. Jeez, go now. You can go to one word if you want. Three (laughs) words, right? Um, A tough bastard. (laughs) 
Can I say that? No. You can. Absolutely. <laughs> no. But uh, here, uh, but hold on. A great fella. A great fella. A great fella. I'm going to come up with three separate words for Jer. Uh, a leader. So a leader, obviously. Leader uh, for me was, was one of the key things. Uh, I think... Um, I, I was struggling. I was struggling to come up with a word for this, but for me, his own man. I don't know what you could put that into a word. In that, he was ruthless, and what ruthless means is that you don't really, you don't really care what others, uh, let's say in sport, who you play against or what others think of you, because when Jer spoke, he spoke from a good place at the right time, um, and yeah, I don't know how to put that into a word, but. I learned that, you know, because sometimes you go into a masculine environment when you speak, you're always conscious around you and who is listening to you and what they think of you. And the fact that even Jerry can speak in an environment in a society today so passionately about religion just epitomizes that for me, right? So leadership was uh, was key. Being his own man and being ruthless about what he believed in and his beliefs. And then the final thing was his madness. He was mad. <laughs> mad in a good way, in a, in a in a in a way that every team needs this madness, you know. So I would nearly call it a Ballymun madness, but uh, an inner city madness for Jer. <laughs> or a, war, a, a working class madness, for Yes, you. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Well said. Yeah. Thanks, Jer and Philly. Thanks for that. Well, that's it for this week's show with Philly McMahon. Join Will and Michael for the throw-in on Monday to look back on the weekend's championship. You can listen, rate and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye for now.